0: Thanks, Thank you. I gotta just say, you know, Calvary Santa Ana. You just need to know, you rock. I mean, you know, all these years, all these hundreds of years, God still uses you to make a difference right here locally, but around the world. And uh, I say, give it up for yourselves. What God's doing through this church. Give it, right there. Yep. Uh, see the Shooks. Thank you so, so much. Um, you know, I'll, I, I mean, these are names some of you here won't ever know, and they will have never touched your life. But I can still remember being a part of a well, the name doesn't matter, but it was a leadership gathering, and there were two men that got up and spoke. One was a name. One was a guy named Ken Waters, and another one was a man named Otis Leal. And I was like 22, 23, 24, 25. And just watching them, observing them, listening to them, and then with Otis, talking to him around a dinner table that night. I've never forgotten them. Their words have long since passed from my memory, but the imprint of them on my life has not ever left. I think of people like Bob Shank. He's here today. He left an imprint on my life that now is now being stamped on the lives of young men and women, literally all over this country, who are starting brand new works. Bumped into Dave Mitchell in the lobby. Not only is Dave an amazing pastor, but he's even a better man because he rides a Harley. Okay, yeah, Dave. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And. Um, and he faithfully pastored this church for many years and then handed it off. You know, that I think the true story about us pastors is what we don't remember when we're up here is that we're all interim. These aren't our churches, they're God's. And so for seeing a man who's passed it on to another young man and to see the work of God, what he's doing through this church, continuing to this day, I just got to tell you, there's a church that's 8.3 miles right off the 55 freeway and the exit that's called Victoria, 22nd Street. Some of you don't even know, but that church, it is there, and it's still having an impact today because of this church right here. So your legacy continues not just in Santa Ana or Tustin, but even further south down the freeway through the Crossing Church through another young man who's doing a fantastic job. And the other thing, I just got to say this, can I say it before I'm supposed to speak, but let me get there um, by saying, you know, you got a birthday. Do you guys do that every week, like recognize people's birthdays? But, uh, but, uh, but I got to just say this. Yesterday was Eric Wakeling's birthday. It was his birthday, so what I thought we'd do today is let's sing "Happy Birthday" because if the dude's not watching right now, he ought to be watching, right? Okay. I mean, come on, you're on sabbatical, but you ought to be watching, okay? So, so I thought what we should do. Those of you online, those of you are out in the out, outside right now, the 40, 50, 60, 70 people out there, that's all right now. Let's all sing "Happy Birthday" to you. I want you to sing it so loud that the hospital where my kids were born across the street, I want everybody there to hear it. So let's all sing, okay? You ready to go? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. Woo! Happy birthday to you. Yeah! Eric Wakelin. Um, and then the last thing I'm going to say, Matt Doan. The dude has spoken five times. I think it's going to be six next week. Been listening to him. He rocks. You know, I'm just saying this. So, you know, um, Eric, Eric wrote a book on joy. There's, I don't know Matt really well, but when we've had interactions, I'm just going to say there's, there's certain people um, we're just the joy of the Lord. There's a winsomeness about you. There's, a, there's such a genuine authenticness about you that is just phenomenal. You're gifted with a, a young man like Matt Doan, uh, who's pastoring here, sharing here. So I just want to say kudos uh, for what God's doing through you. You so just going to say that. Okay. Okay, so here we go. Okay, and I did all that because now I can go 40 minutes longer. Okay, here we go. So um, what we're going to talk about today, I'm just going to say right off the bat, it's uh, in this series, Proverbs, this is a topic you and I can't afford to get it wrong. Because if you get it wrong, it'll mess up your marriage. It'll mess up your finances, your friendships. It'll cause you to do really stupid stuff. It'll cause you to say really stupid stuff. What, what we're going to discuss today, if you get it wrong, I, I mean, really, nothing goes all that well. Sooner or later, sooner or later, you're going to crash and burn. See, here's the reality. The topic that we're going to discuss today, it is a topic that I personally wrestle with probably more than any other. In fact, let, 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 me, let me share a, a story with you right now. Um, That uh, that that you know, Eric, Pastor Eric would know, Dave Mitchell would know, but being a role, you know, when you're in a senior pastor role for so many years in one particular location, you you often get frequently recognized when you go out in public in that particular location. So in my area, in the city of Costa Mesa, over the years as the Crossing Church grew, okay, often I'd be out in public and I'd bump into somebody who would recognize me, and I didn't know them, but they felt like. For sure, they, they knew me, right? Well, it's been four years since I've been in a, the lead seat at the Crossing Church. My wife and I still attend the church. We give the church. We serve at the church. Have no leadership responsibilities whatsoever at that church. But last Saturday, last Saturday, and for those of you online, those of you outside, those of you who are watching this later, uh, I'll timestamp this by saying last Saturday, August 20th, I think it was, I was on a flight that I was going to take over to Indianapolis. And I'm in or- Orange County Airport at Gate C-16. At 6.45 in the morning, and I'm standing there, and I'm just in line. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I didn't even notice her really. She was right in front of me. I noticed her daughter really more than anything, but probably about a six, six-year-old girl. And all of a sudden, this, these two people realized that they weren't in the right line. So she turned to leave. And in doing so, she, she, looked, she just said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm in the wrong line. Excuse me, please. Then she looked up. And, and she caught my eye and my eye caught hers. And I just came out of her mouth like, you look like somebody famous. And I said, well, why thank you. I'm Bruce Willis. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, I, I do that because people always say, Bruce Willis or Ed Harris. But, but okay, so, so, I, so, I said, so, I, so then um, when I said something out loud like that, as I spoke out loud, she heard my voice. She shrieked. She goes, "You're Pastor Tim," and she said it so loud, and then she said it again, "You're Pastor Tim," and I'm like, "No, no, no! I'm witness protection right here." Now you know it's like, so yeah. I said, "Yes, ma'am, I am." And then, and then, I did what I would normally do for 30 years when I was at the church. I would say, "Well, how 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 long has it been since you've been coming to the Crossing?" And we had a nice chat, and. Uh, and, and, but it's been such a long time since I've been in that particular position as senior pastor, so I wasn't expecting that. But here's the truth. That, that recognition and that loud shriek, although a bit embarrassing, it was a huge boost to my ego. See, this is a topic that I wrestle with more than any other topic, and, and it's the issue The issue of pride. Do you wrestle with this topic? Be be very careful before you say no. By the way, have you ever seen someone um, who thinks very highly about themselves get knocked down a notch or two? I have. I mean, it's been me many times before. But like I said in Costa Mesa, you know, back in the day, you know, like I said, back out in public, people would recognize you. And and Sue, my wife, and my kids know, we would be on vacation somewhere, somewhere far from, like, California. I remember one time we were in a lazy river, you know, like at a water park. And and I'm just, like, floating along. My kids are floating next to me. And all of a sudden, the person on the, the bridge over the thing goes, Pastor Tim, is that you? And when that happens... When that happens and I'm with my family, I may not say it out loud, but you know what I'm thinking? I'm famous even here. <laughs> and one time Don Shula, now some of you, by the way, this is my favorite time of the year. It's the fall, college football, pro football. Yes. Anyway, let's keep going. So um, I grew up and the Miami Dolphins. Some of you don't even know that. You don't know football. That's fine, but just follow this. Miami Dolphins, like, or one of the only undefeated teams all the way through to the Super Bowl. Well, their, their coaches, who I, I just adored because I thought he was such a good leader, such a good coach, Don Shula was his name, he and his wife, they were so famous, he and his wife walked into a movie theater in the state of Maine. Most of us don't even know Maine's estate, okay? We, we just don't know where it's even located, right? And there were just a handful of people in the seats, and when he walked in and walked down the aisle, when he walked in and walked down the aisle, people started applauding. <laughs> And he was feeling kind of smug, thinking to himself, hey, these people know me even here. So he sat down, sat to his, and said to his wife, hey, I guess there's no place we can go where I'm not known. Well, just before the movie started, a guy walked up to him, shakes Don Shula's hand, the famous Don Shula's hand. And he says, I'm surprised you folks know me here. And the guy's response was, am I supposed to know you? We're just glad you came in because the manager said he wasn't going to start the movie until there were 10 people here. (laughs) See, occasionally on this earth, people like you and me, we get knocked down a few. So, today, let me just set, let me establish the baseline, okay? There are two types of people. Two types of people. And every one of us each day displays either one of these kinds of attitudes. Pride and or humility. Pride and or humility. And one of those we usually display more than the other. Dare to guess which one that is. It's pride. See, the bottom line is this. All through the Bible, God clearly says that he hates pride and he honors humility. Someone who displays humility more than anything else. And as we've been in this series, as we've been in this series here over the summer months on Proverbs, this series, as it's been, lights out awesome. We've looked at all kinds of different topics from the book of Proverbs. But one of the key themes in the book of Proverbs is this tension that that people like us, human beings, we have to manage between pride pride and, and humility. So Proverbs eight thirteen says, Proverbs eight thirteen says, the fear of the Lord is to hate pride. Now, for some of you are kind of new to this God, church, Jesus, Bible thing. When you see the word fear, you're thinking, well, okay, well, fear isn't how we normally consider fear. For some of you don't really, like, know that part of, well, it's it, the fear, when you see that sometimes in the Old Testament portion of the Bible, between Genesis and Malachi, fear there means more like um, Uh, reverence or or honor. Like when a judge walks into a courtroom, everybody says, all rise, the honorable so-and-so. It's that kind of idea. That's what he's trying to convey there. So he says basically real esteem, real reverence for God is to hate pride. Proverbs 16.5. Proverbs 16.5 says, the Lord detests the proud. Proverbs 21.4 says, haughty eyes, a proud heart, And evil actions are all, say the word with me, are all what? Sin. Sin. There's a ton more about pride in the book of Proverbs. We'll get to some more in a little bit. But the book of James, the half brother of Jesus Christ, wrote this. It says, God opposes the proud. In James chapter 4, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. To the humble. Now, you, you 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 certainly don't need me to say it, but I'm gonna say it anyway, cause I I need to hear it. It's very clear when it comes to living life that you and I were to be humble. Why? Cause humility is a virtue or a trait that God Himself honors. In in Micah 6:8, it's it's a verse that you've maybe heard referenced in different points and places. It says it this way, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and that is what he requires of you. So it's kind of key there. This is what he requires of you to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In in, in um in Psalm 10:17, in Psalm 1017, it, it says this: the Lord hears the desires of of the humble in Proverbs 15:33, it says, Before honor is humility. In fact, you saw it just a little bit earlier when, when we put on the screen in between the songs and the worship set, Colossians 3:12. In the New Testament, it tells us where to put on humility. It says it this way: Since God chose you to be holy, the holy people He loves. You must clothe, clothe yourselves. Tenderheartedness, mercy, kindness, humility. Humility. You're to be clothed. So so just like we got up this morning and, and we put on these, and I'm glad, looking at some of you, I'm glad you put on something, okay? But just like we put on some clothes, we're to do the same with humility. It's an intentional act that we choose into. And, and I'm telling you right now, this is a hard truth to swallow for us because the defining and crowning sin of humanity is pride. Because reality is, all temptations are of any kind are based upon self-gratification. And and the reason a temptation is a temptation is because, well, you and I, we want to do it, right? It appeals to our own personal fulfillment, our personal desire. And as human beings, and and we've seen this increasing proportions over my lifetime, but I would say over the last eight to ten years, we feel as though as humans we have a right to do what we want to do. And that is an expression of an internal sense of pride. That's why the list of sins in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, in in, in the Proverbs 6.16, it says this, there are seven things that God hates and cannot tolerate. And the first one is a prideful heart. Because, see, pride is the foundational sin that literally is the catalyst. It's the ignition switch that leads to all other sins. And yet, here's the problem with pride. Pride is that trait that every one of us is just so absolutely certain isn't true of me. Why? Why? Well, because we all know someone else who is more prideful. And the reason we don't think we're prideful is because they really are. Just a show of hands. Just a show of hands. Before I would have said those words, how many of you here, you know someone, you know someone who's highly egotistical, highly narcissistic, prideful, thinks mostly and only about themselves, how many of you say you at least know someone like that? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. How many of you, as you were sitting here, listening, up to this point, and now this is going to take a lot of personal personal awareness and a high emotional IQ, and there's going to have to be a willingness on your part, a willingness on your part, to be honest. But I figure, hey, come on, you're in church, so you might as well go for it, okay? How many of you, up to this point, up to this point, Have been thinking this message would be really good for someone I know. How many of you? Show of hands. Show of hands. He's gonna be honest. Yeah, see, some of you aren't raising your hands. You're lying, okay? You need this, okay? See, so in our remaining time today, in our remaining time today, let's look at a character trait that God desires for each of us, which is humility. Now, Humility may just be that most misunderstood character trait of all the character traits. Because before you get a look at a humility, you got to look at what, what humility is not. Humility, in reality, is not being timid or bashful. It's, it, it's not being weak like a wimp. It's, it isn't a lack of confidence. Humility, by the way, isn't even having a low opinion of yourself. Humility isn't like putting yourself down all the time, saying things like, "Well, oh, I'm nothing, I'm worthless, you know, I'm junk. In in, in all reality, can I just? Humility takes a whole lot of courage. Humility takes self confidence. Humility takes high self esteem. Humility takes personal security. In fact, let me be vulnerable with you right now. Here's what I notice about me when I'm in my most insecure place, when I'm most insecure, that's when I ramp up. When I'm in my most insecure place, I go to a I want to make sure everyone knows I'm in the room. When I'm in my most insecure place, I I'm highly unwilling to take a back seat. It's it's next to impossible for insecure people to be humble. They have a very hard time being humble. So insecurity produces the exact opposite of your, in your life. It, it actually it produces pride. And, and I don't know if you know this, but God promises more to people who exhibit humility than almost anything else in the scriptures other than giving. And just a little aside here, for those of you who are a part of this church and you're somewhat new to this church, you, you need to know that this is a p- great place for you to invest your resources. You can know with, with, with a high level of integrity and um, certainty on this side of, of all of eternity, you can know that this is a great place for you to give. In fact, God promises a whole lot to people who release resources. So if you're not now doing it, God God promises loads of stuff coming your way, not just physical, material stuff. And almost the only other thing that He promises that to is to people who are humble. God says He'll save the humble, He'll support the humble. He promises to guide the humble, to give wisdom to the humble. He promises to exalt the humble. Repeatedly, God says, we saw it a little earlier in one of the Proverbs, he says, I'll honor you if you're humble. With humility comes honor. On the other hand, I just want to go back to that verse. God hates pride. Proverbs 6.16, look at it again. There are seven things that God hates and cannot tolerate in the first one, I'll let you go look it up, did that intentionally, is the issue of pride. See, we need to understand, before we go any further, God loves humility. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 66-2, Isaiah 66-2, it says, This is the one I esteem, he who is humble, he who is humble and contrite in spirit. God says he looks up to people who have a genuine spirit of humility. So if God's promised all these things regarding humility then what is it? Well, like I said a little bit earlier, humility is something you choose into, just like you chose to put clothes on today. It's a way of acting. It's something you do. And because of that, get this, humility is a choice. It's a choice in your marriage. It's a choice in your parenting. It's a choice if you're a child in your home back-directed to your parents. It is a choice in your business, whether you're the supervisor, the owner, or you're reporting up to someone. It is a choice, humility is, when you're in your car, when you're in a line. We either choose to be humble or we don't. And all through the Bible it says, humble yourself before God. So it's something we choose to do. So my definition of humility, this is just mine. Like with all these scriptures, I think you could piece it all like this together. But let me just give you humility is going beyond yourself. It's going beyond yourself. It's it's thinking of others instead of yourself. You'll see that a little bit in Philippians 2. Then acting, you'll see that, in in their best interest instead of your own. Okay? Humility is going beyond yourself, thinking of others instead of yourself. Than acting in their best interest instead of your own. In other words, humility means you're, you're other person centric. You're, you're focused, it's, it's, it's self forgetfulness. To be so concerned with other people, you're not even thinking about, well, what about me? So it's not really thinking less of yourself. You just don't think of you at all. That's a choice. And, and I'm just saying for the way I'm wired up, that's a hard choice, but it's still a choice. And, and because of that, it's something you and I can work on. It's something we can practice. You all know what it means to practice, right? How many of you here have ever had music lessons? Raise your hands. I mean, I've had music lessons. Well, you know what it means to practice. How many of you here have ever been in any kind of sports? Raise your hands. Yeah, you know the meaning of practice. How many of you here have ever worked out at a gym for more than three days. You know the meaning of practice. It's when you do something over and over and over again, and you get good at it. Now, let me tell you, at first when you start doing it, you know, the practicing part, it doesn't seem fun. It doesn't seem so natural. In fact, it's pretty difficult at the outset but the more you do it, the better you get at it, right? So let's talk about three practical ways. Three practical ways that you and I can get good get good at practicing humility. Now, again, let me just state this. You may be thinking, I don't need this message. And, and I'm just saying, if you, if you feel that way, you need it more than anybody else in the room. See, here's the amazing thing about pride. We, we ha- absolutely hate it when we see it in somebody else it 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 but we're always blinded to it when we're the one manifesting it so the first way to practice humility just three quick things practically speaking first one is practice the art of giving preference to others practice the art of giving preference to others you know, for years at the Crossing Church, for years at the Crossing Church, we used to tell anybody who called themselves a Christ follower, a believer in Jesus Christ, we used to tell them, basically, we said, your preferences matter least of all. Your preferences matter least of all. And at the same time, you are asked to sacrifice most of all. In fact, stop right now. Stop Just right now, think in your mind. Think of someone... That it's or somewhere where it's difficult for you to, to, like, give somebody else access, somebody else preference, like where you let somebody else go first. I, I thought of two scenarios to this very day are really hard for me, and, and maybe one of them you can relate to. How, how many of you, like, imagine you're standing at a checkout line in a grocery store like Ralph's or Von's or, you, you know, Trader Joe's or something like that, and it's, and, and it's the longest, slowest line. And if you're like me, you, you, you have a tendency to get in that line. And you're waiting there, and you're waiting there. And all of a sudden, you see the, the, the grocery store personnel start walking toward that one open lane. And, you, and if you're like me, you catch, you catch what's going on. And as you see them starting to remove, remove that little sign that says, check, stand, closed. What do you do in that situation? What do you do in that moment? You do, if you're like me, you do what I call a NASCAR approach. You knock over small kids and old people to, to get in that line. Oh, I hate this message. Or like, like are you like me? Because I'm, I'm usually only ever on a two-wheel vehicle. I'm only ever on a two-wheel vehicle. So I lane split everywhere I go. But when I have to be in a car, I was almost going to say when I have to be with my wife. I don't mean it that way. But when I'm with my wife and we're in a car and we're in a car and, and we're like, I, when I come to a stop light, a light, I look and count how many cars are in each lane. And then I actually look at the make and the model of the cars. Because I'm going to see which car pulls away fastest. This giving deference, preference to others, it's, it's, it's hard. Philippians 2, where do I get the definition of humility from? Right here from this passage. And, and, and honestly, I'm going to read it from what's called the message. Um, I believe he says it in the most accurate 21st century English terms possible. Here's what he says. Don't push your way to the front. Philippians 2, 3. Don't push your way to the front. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Jesus thought of himself. He's God. But he took on the status of a slave and incredibly, what's the next word? What's the next word? What? Humbling process. I guess so. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. Think of the humble life of Jesus. First coming from heaven onto earth to be born in a stable that was for animals. On the weekend, he's going to make a very public entrance into what's called Jerusalem. And we we only know that because we see so much of the Middle East in the news. He's making a very public entrance into Jerusalem. He does not arrive in a limo or on a white stallion. No, he comes in a Kia. That's a donkey, by the way, okay? Then then what does he do? He, 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 He dies a criminal's death. Why? Why does he die a criminal's death? Because in his death, you and I are given an opportunity to have life. Jesus put his preferences ahead of yours and ahead of mine. So for you here today, whether you're somebody who who you you say, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, or if you're just here this weekend because you're just kicking the tires, checking this thing out called church or God or Jesus, wherever you're at, like on the spiritual continuum, You can practice putting others in front of you. I can practice putting others in front of me. Second way, second way you practice, practice humility. You practice the art of learning from others. Practice the art of learning from others, being open to their suggestions, their corrections, their criticism, okay? This is a major component of humility. You know, what I'm trying to say here is don't, don't think you know it all. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 12, look at it says they're conceited people don't like to be corrected. In fact, they, they, they never ask for advice. So why, why should you and I be more open to criticism, more open to correction? Well, because first of all, it's going to make us more likable. Because do, do you enjoy being around know-it-alls? Of course not. Nobody does. They're, 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 they're irritated. One of the things humility does is it just makes you more likable. Another reason is, Um, If I'm open to correction, you know, like suggestions, you know, stuff like that. Proverbs 15.32, look what it says. If if you reject criticism, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. So humble people are always open. They're they're, they're like always open. Because the truth is every one of us here is ignorant on different subjects. You know some things I don't know and I know some things you don't know and vice versa, right? That's why it's always better to have two heads in one. I've got to decide in life, do I just want to appear wise? Do I just want to appear wise or do I want to be wise? So it it makes you more likable. You'll be wiser, right? But you'll have a whole less conflict. Proverbs Proverbs 10, 13, 10, it says it this way, pride only leads to arguments. Pride only leads to arguments. I'll tell you right now, anytime you get in an argument, in your business, in your home, you can always know that pride's right in the center of it all. In fact, I would say this, every time you're criticized, anytime you're criticized, I think that's an opportunity by God where he's testing you. Because criticism is always a test of your humility. Anytime you're you're criticized, God's testing your humility to see are you going to respond in a defensive way, an offensive way, or in a humble way. So I have this for you. I have something for you. I used to do this frequently. I still do it with coworkers and stuff. But, but like whether, whether in your marriage, if you're married, maybe it's with a sibling, maybe, maybe it's with a, a coworker. Um, I have a question for you. Here's the question I want you to walk out of here and ask somebody. And if you came with somebody you know today, you might want to just ask this question on the car ride as you go home. Here's the question. What do you see? What do you see in me that is wrong or needs changing in my life? Some of you are going, there's no way I'm going to ask that question. Humility's not for wimps. It takes courage to be humble. Hey, t- t- tell me what you see is wrong. Remember, defensiveness never gets you anywhere. You, you don't grow. You don't learn. You don't develop. So you have a choice today. In fact, this go back to James, James 4, James 4, 6 and 7. Look, uh, just put it on the screen. God opposes everyone who is proud. God opposes everyone who is proud, but He gives grace to everyone who is humble. God opposes. Now, I can just tell you this right now. I can think of a whole lot of people I I, I wouldn't want opposing me. Like um, one of the, I, I, you know, she's she's at the Crossing Church. I don't know if any of you like MMA. Chrissy Cyborg, uh, she she attends there, and I, I, I see her on campus when. I, And I'm like, there's no way I'd want to get in a ring with her. Or I wouldn't want to to be opposed by LeBron James on a basketball court. I wouldn't want to be opposed. I wouldn't want to be the offensive lineman being opposed by Aaron Donald from the Rams. I would not want to be opposed. I would not want to be opposed by Jeff Bezos at an auction. I'd lose every time. Okay? But can I just say this? I certainly don't want to be opposed by God because there's no way I'm going to win that one. And the Bible says when I'm only thinking of me in a grocery store, in my marriage, with my kids, in my finances, you name it, God's not just mildly irritated with Tim Selleck. He's in opposition to me in that moment. He's, he's opposed. That's how serious this topic is. And that's why I needed to preach to me today. Number three, third thing, practice humility. Gotta give preference, deference to others, okay. And then, then, and then this one here is practice the art of surrendering your plans to God. And then we'll finish up. We'll close up. See, this is what I've noticed. And I only noticed this because I was in a senior pastor's seat for 30 years. What I noticed is is people would always come and want to talk to me. But I was like the last option. Because what I started figuring out when people would talk to me is basically they went ahead and made their plans in life without ever consulting God or like the scriptures talk about a, a multitude of counselors. And so without ever consulting God, without ever praying about it, they, they basically ask God to bless their plans, their marriage, their finances. You go on and on and on, right? But they didn't ask him to be a part of it in the first place. And then what happens is when they go out and they go out with what they decided to be their plans and in their timetable that they wanted it to happen, but it didn't happen in their timetable, then they, they get angry with God. That's called pride. Romans 6.13 says, give yourselves to God and surrender your whole being to him. To be used for his righteous purpose. In other words, God's saying, you know, I'm going to go with your plans for my life. And by the way, I'm sorry, but I use this now for my Bible most frequently. Technological device. I hope that doesn't offend you. But you want to know God's plans? You got to read His Word. Because, like we've been going through this series over the summer, and wisdom, that's God's wisdom. And, And so, in this series, in this series, just in this series, you've learned God's plans for your marriage. You've learned in this series God's plans for your parenting. You've learned in this series. This in the last two weeks Matt did a phenomenal, God's plans for your work. It's, it's so much. So what's, are you, are you surrendering those plans to him? And and directly, let's say directly, what is God asking for you? What's part of his plan? Well, look at Micah 6.8 that we read a little bit earlier. I was noticing when we read it. This is what it says. This is what the Lord requires from you. This is what the Lord requires from you. Would you all read the next sentence out loud with me? Let's all read the next. Everybody, can we do that? Online, do it. Outside, do it. Right here, let's all do it. Let's all read it together. What does it say? That you do what is right. Let's all do it again. Ready? Here we go. That you do what is right to love mercy and to live humbly with your God. So basically three things. (laughs) Three things today. What does God require from me? What does God require from you? Do what's right. Love mercy. In other words, extend forgiveness to people. And then third, walk humbly before your God. Walk humbly in your marriage. Walk humbly in your business. Drive humbly on the freeway. And you know, really, when you come and think about it, that simplifies life really, really well. So maybe when you get up tomorrow morning, maybe what you should say is, God, here's the things I need to do today. I want to do the right thing today. I want to show love in all my relationships today. And I want to walk humbly today. So these three habits... Showing preference to others? How quickly do you adjust to the needs of others, right? Do you give deference and preference to their needs? How, how early on are you willing to listen to correction? Do you get defensive? How quickly are you to admit it when you're wrong, husband? And then are you willing day in and day out to surrender your plans to God? We've got some work to do. But the good news is, we can practice. And in the practicing, yes, it starts off a little bit difficult. But then, you and I, we get really good at it. And then if we do that, the world's better because of it. And maybe, just maybe, This is my hope and prayer, and it's been this for 34 years. Then people will see Jesus in us. Let's stand for a closing prayer. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do right now. This is going to take a risk. As I was talking over these past minutes, how many of you here personally... Have a specific situation with a specific someone that you know your pride gets in the way. And when you walk away from here today, you need to start practicing humility in that situation with that someone. Raise your hands. That's like 85% of the hands. So my admonition to us today is? Don't simply be hearers who walk away and do nothing. Let's do something about it. God, thank you so much for this day. Work in us. May we make a decision right now, ultimately with an attitude of humility, in that situation, with that someone To begin displaying an altogether different approach. And at first it will not be easy. Because it probably involves words. It might even involve the words, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? And then it will involve being willing to back up the apology. With honest to goodness action. But God, help us. Help us try that today. Help us practice that today. I ask this for me and for all of us. In Jesus' name.